year we did a series, a longer series, six weeks, about why we love God, our church, but our church is God's church. So we're not just trying to say we just love Portview Church. We're saying we, love, we do love this church, but we love the church of Jesus Christ. And so we're taking just two weeks this year to talk about um, we love our church, and we're doing it from a little different perspective than we did last year, although today we're going to do a review, and I'll get to that in a second. But the, the reason we're talking about for two weeks this, this year about loving our church is that we can think of so many reasons why we love our church. You heard some of them in there. Great people, awesome worship, wonderful ministries, and I wrote in my notes, babies. You know, So we love our church for all of those reasons. And last Sunday, I said, those are all true and wonderful, but there's a big overarching reason that we want to focus on uh, a big picture item, why we love our church. And it's because of this. It's because we, as the church, are the solution. We talked about that for a whole service last week. We are the solution. What I meant by that in a little brief uh, uh, summary is this idea, that the world is a mess. Does anybody think that's not true? The world's a mess. And Jesus, this is what we understand from the Scriptures and from our lives, and we have all kinds of examples of this, of this being true. Jesus is the only one who can fix the mess. Jesus is the only one that can fix the mess in this world, and we have this place is littered with stories, including my own, stories of, of how our lives were train wrecks, and Jesus entered in. You know, and we, all, we, we, we understand, so Jesus is the only one who can fix the mess. Other people try, it just doesn't work. A lot of times it gets worse, but Jesus enters in, he fixes the mess. But this is the part we focused on mainly last week and where we're going to launch off for this week, and it's this. And sometimes we don't think this way. We pray, oh, Jesus, the world's a mess. You're the only answer. Jesus, do something about it. You've prayed those prayers. Jesus, this is a mess, whatever that mess is, whatever that bad situation is, oh, that war, that problem, that sickness, that whatever, that need you need, Jesus, do something. Well, here's the thing we, we focused on last week, and we're going to jump into this week, is that the church is Jesus' main avenue for fixing the mess. So the world's a mess. Jesus is the answer. But the way that the, he works in the world is through his church, that we are his solution. Um, that gives each and every one of us this incredible purpose, that we have an, an important and eternal reason for getting out of the bed in the morning, that God is fixing the messed up world through us every time we partner with the Holy Spirit in his activity. Things like, you know, loving, hard-to-love people, reaching out to that person that no one else will reach out to, um, intentionally raising children um, to grow up and love Jesus, um, serving with your God-given talents. All of those things are the way God intervenes in the world so that we can say this, we are the solution. You know what? Turn to the person next to you and say, you are the solution. That's true. You, I think you're saying a few more things, so I hope it's all good, but you are, we are the solution. Now, at Portview, we take some time to do some evaluation about this every year. We ask ourselves some questions. That's kind of why we're at the I Love My Church couple of weeks right now. We say this, since we are who God uses to minister in the world, that we are his body, that he is our head and we are the body, then we ask the question this, are we engaging in what he wants us to do? In other words, are we aiming at and are we hitting the target 
that God has put before us. Not that we put before us, but God has put before us. You see, there's a reality in life, and it just doesn't deal with spiritual matters. It really deals with life in general, that you will never hit at something you're not aiming at. The only way to hit something is to aim at it. Think about this. You'll never have the career you want unless you know what the career is, aim at it, and do the things that you have to do to get there. Proper training, proper education, connecting with the right people, all the things you have to do to get to the career path you want. You won't get there unless you say, that's my target that I'm aiming at. Or another thing, you'll never have the money that you might desire for retirement if you don't aim at the goal of saying, at some point, I want to be able to do this, or I'm going to have to be able to live because I won't be, I'll be too old to work, and I've got to do something to aim at the goal of having some money for retirement. So what are the things you do to get there? You save money now? Well, what's, what do you have to do to save money now? You change your spending now, too. So you might have to earn more money, or you might have to spend less money, or you might have to earn more money and spend less money, and then you've got to do something with the money. You've got to put it somewhere. You have to invest it or whatever you're going to do. To hit the target that you, have to, to, that you want to hit, you have to identify it, and you need to aim at it. You need to know what you're shooting at. So there's the question we ask here, because we're not here for retirement. We're not here really for job training. So our question is, what's the target that God says, not that I say, but that God says that we should be aiming at as a church, that we should be putting our energy into accomplishing? And one of the clearest places in all the scripture that gives us a picture of the target that the church is supposed to be aiming at, shooting for, is in Acts chapter 2. So grab your Bibles with me, open your Bibles up to Acts chapter 2, and here what we're going to get is this snapshot, a picture of the activities and the priorities of the early church. If you understand how the Bible works, that the, that the Old Testament was everything leading up to Jesus, then you have the Gospels, which tell four ways the story of the life of Jesus, and then the very next book is what? Acts. And what's Acts? It's a history book of the early church. It's God revealing now that Jesus had come, he had died, he had risen, he had gathered these people called Christians. In Ephesians we've been studying how he created this, this brand new band of people called Christians, a very, actually a new creation of people, and those people now make up the church. And then so Acts tells how did the church function, and then the epistles after that, letters that Paul wrote and other people wrote, kind of tell how it functioned in that early church setting. So in Acts chapter 2, we have the earliest picture of the activities and the priorities of the church. And from this, we can see the things they engaged in. And once we see the things they engaged in, we can use that as our target to aim at and say, those are the kind of things that we want to engage in as a church. That God says, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit recorded in Scripture, these are the important things. So that making sense? So we're going to look at Acts chapter 2, and we're just going to read from 42 to 47. Listen to what it says. Now understand where this is. This is just after the day of Pentecost. So Jesus has come. Jesus has um, lived on earth. He's given his life. He's died. He's risen from the dead. He's ascended to heaven. He's told the group of believers, his church people, listen, you wait until I fill you with the Spirit, and then you're going to go out and do my work. The Holy Spirit's fallen on them, and they're just going out to do his work. And this is what it says about that brand new group of people that are together doing the work of God. Verse 42. They continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had had believed were together and had all things in common. 
and began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have a need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, as you look at that, can you see some of the things that the early church was involved in? What's one of them? What's one of the things you see the early church was involved in? Somebody tell me. Sharing with one another. Okay. What's another? Worshiping together. Focusing on the apostles' teaching. So we see in here these activities that the early church did. They, they shared together. They ate meals together. They met each other's needs. They praised God together. All these various things was normal Christian experience, church life, in the early church, in this church that God created and then said, now this church is going to expand around the world. And those same things that they did there, we engage in here. And we have a, a graphic here at Portview Church that helps us identify and remember the five main things, activities, that are revealed in this text. The five main things, if you break this text down and you look, what are the five main things and you categorize the things together, you basically come up with five things that the church should aim at, should engage its energy in saying, these are the things we want to accomplish. Now, the graphic, we call him, anybody remember his name? Portview Pete. Now, under, is this the same Portview Pete you've seen before? No, this is Pete 2.0. Pete 2.0 is a little bit better, a little bit different than the original Portview Pete, and we'll, we'll talk about that. Pete 2.0 has a heart in place there, which, Debbie, I think I wanted that from the start. We had a team of people for two years who worked on this, um, on, on, a, on a whole big process, and this was a graphic we created, so we had some dis- understandings and, or different views on how we should do it. So, so I, had, um, I had some uh, help, and we recreated Pete into Pete 2.0. He's a little bit different. And this graphic helps us see the five main things that we as individuals, so this is for you as an individual person. We're going to talk about these five things. In the past, I've used an entire sermon for each one of these. We're going to just have to go through these five things um, quickly. But they're going to help you see you as an individual and us as a church body saying, I should be involved in these, in each one of these five, and the church should be in all, involved in all of these five. And it's our target that we're aiming at. Now, notice it's on purpose that Pete is in the shape of a body. Last year we used the heart to show it because we're trying to say, we're trying to get this idea of the heart. So instead of being the heart this year, we used Pete and put the heart in him because it's on purpose from the very beginning that we wanted Pete to be a body because we understand something from Scripture. We are the body of Christ. We are his agency or the things he uses, his agency of activity in the world. Um, you know, he, we are his means of fixing the mess that's in the world. As we engage in these five areas, we become the hands and the feet to fix the mess that this world is in. Now, do notice the heart that Pete 2.0 has. Um, because the heart of everything, what we want to do, all these five things... We always come back to the heart. And that's why we had a heart last year, and we have a heart on Pete. Because we understand something, that everything we do has to flow out of our heart. And we as a church have a model that describes our heart. What's our model? We're people who care. I think it's on the back of my shirt, isn't it? So we're people who care. That's our heart. 
Um, it says this, the, the scriptures say that we should love God and love our neighbor as ourselves. And we understand this in our culture. The idea of love gets kind of fuzzy. Love becomes just a, a mushy feeling of teenagers have or something like that. So we try to say, how can we define love in action? And we thought of caregivers, that people who care for other people, in the, especially like in medical world, we call them caregivers. They're expressing love to those people around them. So we want to say our heart is that we are people who care. We express the love of God to those around him in all of these other five ways. All we do flows from hearts of love. When we do stuff here, it's not about religious duty or religious obligation. No, our lives have been changed by the love of God towards us. So now the love that God has poured in us, we allow to pour out of us to those around us. So Pete can help us direct us so that we pour out the love of God into the areas and activities that God says he wants his church to accomplish. So what I want to do today, and this is a gamble. Like I say, in the past, I literally, this was, Pete was five sermons. So I'm going to do it all very quickly because I wanted to get the big overview. I'll take just a couple of minutes and look at each one of these five areas. And um, if you want to say, I want to know more about any one of them, we have podcasts on the website. You can look at, listen to a full-length sermon on every one of these five areas and a couple different times over the last few years. And so I want to talk about these because this is not just for the church. I love my church, but one reason I love my church is my church challenges me to become the person I'm supposed to become. And so the reason I wanted to go back to Pete being the body was because when I look at this and I can look and compare my life to what we're going to talk about today, not in a sense of condemnation, but a sense of challenge for growth. And I look and I say, how am I doing in the area of connecting? We're going to talk about connecting. Connecting authentically with others in the body of Christ. And if you say, I'm a lone ranger, I don't have any friends, I never needed any friends, and I never will need any friends, I would say this, God says, yes, you do, and here we are. And we'd like to be that person. And I'd say, my, maybe my left arm needs a little strengthening. I need to be better at connecting with people. And so this is for not only... The church evaluation is our corporate structure. This is for your evaluation. How are you doing? It's a little mini checkup for how are you doing spiritually growing because our job is not to stay stuck. Our jobs as Christians is to always be developed more in Christ's likeness. So if you were to take Jesus and say in his life, what, how did he live? These would define how Jesus lived his life. These are the things that he engaged in. He had his church engaged in. So let's start at the top. What's the top one? We, we are people who worship God. Right? Now, Acts 2 says this, because we're taking everything out of Acts 2. It says, They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, which is a reference to communion, and to prayers, and to praising God. These are expressions of worship. Now, I want to just take a little more time on this one than probably all the rest of them, because I think we need to understand it, and it's the one we can be the most muddy about. Let's understand something about worship. Often we have a view of worship that is much too small. We can limit our view to worship to what we just did for 20 minutes at the beginning of this service. We came together, we sang some songs about God. You know, praising God, singing. Now, did you enjoy worship today? I loved worship today. I thought it was awesome. I enjoy it. It's wonderful. Um, but that's, that's not a complete um, understanding of worship. That's an expression of worship, but it's not the full understanding of worship. You see, in the big picture... Worship is something simply that flows from love. God loves us and he expresses his love in so many ways. Think about it. You know, we have a world created for us by God. It provides for us. 
We have other people who show kindness and as expressions of God's love back towards us. Um, the greatest expression of God's love of all times is that God himself came to earth as one of us to die in our place. That is, the, Jesus is the greatest expression of love there's ever been. Now, um, as, incredibly, as, incredible, as incredibly loved people, once we recognize how amazing God's love is towards us, there's something that happens naturally. We naturally then return love back to God. Now, here's the definition of love that I want you to get. Our expression of that love back to God is worship. Any way in your life that you express love back toward God is worship. It could be singing a song, but it could be so many other things. Any way that we express love back towards God is a form of worship. So it could simply be by singing songs that express your heart of love back to God. And it could be by loving and serving the people of this world that Jesus loves so much he died for. So as I serve them, I'm actually loving God back. It could be also taking from the resources that God has given me and using those resources to further the work of God. That is an expression of love back to God. So what is that? Expression of love back to God is what? It's worship. So all of these are different acts that we can engage in and express love back to God. And what we understand is those are all acts of worship. Worship is our expression of our love back to God. Now, does that make sense? Okay, so for each one of these five now, we have we a little a little tagline. I should say maybe this. If I should sound a little younger, a hashtag. We have a hashtag that helps us understand how we remember and engage in this particular dimension of the five parts, that the five purposes the church engages in. And so for each one has a little tagline. So I want to tell you the worship tagline. The worship tagline is this. Expressing our love to God. And this is the longest one. Expressing our love to God every day in every way. Expressing our love to God every day in every way. So how do we worship God? It's through every expression of our love in every day of our life in every way that expresses love back to God. So why is it so important to think of that? Because I want you to think of your lives in a sense that as you walk through your daily lives, you are looking for ways to express love back to God. As you walk through and you, and you go through the McDonald's drive through and you get your whatever, I just get regular coffee, but you get your mocha whatever, and you drink it and you go, oh, that is so good. In that instant when you say that is so good, and the next thought I want you to have is, and thank you, God, for giving me taste buds. And thank you, God, for giving me um, the coffee. And thank you, God, for the person who served the coffee to me. And you look at all of that and you understand I can express love back to God every day in every way, and that is worship. That worship is not just you um, singing songs on Sunday morning. That makes sense? Let's move on. The number two one, when Pete comes up here in a minute, is reaching seekers. And he'll be up there. You're going to see in a minute that Pete's right arm says reach. Acts chapter 2 said this. They added to their numbers, added to the numbers daily those who were being saved. Church, one of the primary ways God is fixing the mess in this world is by leading lost people into a saving relationship with himself through the activity of his church. 
God leading people to him, and the way he does it is through the activity of his church. We understand this. Salvation leads to transformation. But we need to understand this also. People don't come to know Jesus as Savior on their own. It just doesn't happen. People come to know Jesus through the activity of God, through the people of God, in the church of God. People reaching people. That is what the church should engage in. People don't come to know Christ all on their own. Very rarely does a person pick up a Bible, read it, and say, oh, I need to meet Jesus. It happens through the activity of the, lo- of the local church. Now notice something about Pete um, on, on this one, Reaching Seekers. Reaching is Pete's right arm. Now most of us in here are right-handed. Are you, if you're right-handed, raise your hand. A couple of you who are left-handed, you can put them down. I'm sorry for you. There's right-handed and there's wrong-handed. Um, and uh, not really, I'm just teasing. My dad's left-handed. Brett, who can pummel me, is, is both right and left-handed. And so uh, um, I'm just placing. But, what, but to show emphasis, we on purpose have reaching as the right arm of Pete because it shows the place of great importance. Understand something, church. If the church did everything else it does well, all the other four well, except for reaching seekers, people who are interested in spiritual things, eventually there would be no church to do anything. Because without reaching people and bringing them into the body of Christ, we're only one generation away from from extinction as a church. Now, understand this. We don't, out of fear, reach out to people, um, and in particular seekers, uh, for, because we're afraid we're going to die out. We're not going to die out. This is God's church, and he's going to keep it going. But we reach seekers because lost people matter to God. People are the most valuable thing in existence, and coming to know Jesus as Savior and Lord is the most important thing any person can ever do in their lives. So we commit ourselves to reaching people, and we call them seekers, people who say, I'm interested in spiritual things. And we have a tag, a hashtag or a tagline for this one. Does anybody remember what it is for, for reaching seekers? It's really short. Invest and invite. The way we reach seekers is we invest and invite. We invest our lives into the lives of others by loving and giving and helping and serving. Why? To earn the right to invite them into a relationship with Jesus. And one of the ways you can invite them uh, into a relationship with Jesus is simply to invite them to church. Anybody can do that. I understand that Cohen today invited someone to church. And how old is Cohen? Cohen is six. And Cohen invited somebody to church that came to church today. So if a six-year-old can invite someone that they met in the community to church, um, and it's not an older six-year-old, it was was an adult. If a six-year-old could invite someone to church and that person came to church, I think invest and invite just might work. And so I told Chris, I said, good parenting um, for doing that. Um, but we invest into people so that we can invite them to know Christ. And, the, and the, one of the great ways you can do that is you invite them into the body of Christ. But what happens when they come into the body of Christ, they often experience something that didn't, they didn't know they were looking for. They experience the reality of the Holy Spirit. The Scriptures tell us very clearly that when we gather in His name, there's a very real sense of the presence of the Spirit that is with us in this place. And when people come in, they experience something. They go, I feel something. What am I feeling? Well, you're feeling what God intended for all the world to always feel. People worshiping Him, knowing Him, living in loving community, and there's a sense of the presence of God in that. 
And so you bring them in and they experience it and it opens up their heart to receiving the message of salvation, the good news of Jesus Christ. So invest and invite. That is our right arm. Got to keep moving here. Number three, um, connecting authentically with people in God's family. So number three, the left arm says connecting or connect. In Acts chapter 2 it says this, they, devote, they were devoted to fellowship, all the believers were together, they ate together. Now it's just cobbling parts of it together. They were devoted to fellowship, all the believers were together, they ate together. Connecting is an arm, um, is, the, is the left arm, um, because, and I should say it is an arm, because arms are for what? Arms are for hugging, right? Did you get any hugs this morning when you came in? I think you probably did. I hugged a bunch of people, a bunch of people hugged me. Um, Arms are for hugging. The body of Christ is a place to belong. This is a place to have family. You heard people say when they said, I love my church, the most common thing people said in that, and that was just a a snippet, a combination of some that were said, was when I come here, I find a family. And it didn't mean they didn't have any other family, but they they find a sense of community that is wonderful and accepting and encouraging. So the body of Christ is a place to belong. Um, the best friends I've ever had um, in my life are people who, like me, have come to know Jesus and are now brothers and sisters in Christ. Matter of fact, right before church, my phone buzzed. I never had my phone before church. My phone buzzed. It was the man who now is the president of a bank who is the first person that I ever led to Christ in our church plant in Marquette 25 years ago, Marquette, Michigan. He called me and said, Mark, I need some advice. This morning, do you have a minute? I'm like, I'm going to church right now. I mean, I was in my office. He goes, can I just have five minutes? He's a brother. When he was in a situation where he really, really, really needed advice, he called his brother who lives in a different state, and he has biological family, but he called his spiritual brother because he said, I just need to talk to you about something that was going to go on today, and could I, could I talk to you? Friends, the best friends I've ever had are people within this body of Christ. Listen, Take opportunity to engage with other people in the, in, the, in the family of God. They will become your best friends. Some people say this at times, you know, oh, I don't have any friends. There's a really basic thing about this. Friendly people have friends. And even if you're bashful, I promise you this. At least this group is a wonderful group of people who are very embracing. And you can come in. And how do you primarily do that in our church? Or one of the easiest ways to do it, you get in a connect group. We have connect groups. You can come right in and be part of a connect group. And so we have a tagline for this one. And see if you remember, it is, Be friends with many, close with a few, and have issues with none. This is a motto I live my life by. And that's why we use it for this one. Be friends with many, be close with a few, have issues with none. What a great way to live. Have issues with no people. Live out the Lord's Prayer every single day. When he said, pray every day, Lord Father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We live in the freedom of forgiving and being forgiven. So within the church family for sure, but in your whole life you should do this. Have issues with none. Deal with issues. Don't let them set in. Don't let them become bitterness in your life. Deal with them. Then be the friendliest person you can be who cultivates a few close relationships. Because understand this, friends. You can't have friendship, close friendships with 50 people. You can only have close friendships with a couple. 
So a great way, get involved in a connect group if you're not already. It's a place where you do life together. Matter of fact, we were, we were at um, a funeral yesterday for Lark's mom's funeral, and a whole bunch of people that were there were from your connect group. And some of the other people in the connect group from your connect group were talking to me about how this connect group, that you are the best friends in the world. So when you went through a tragedy, the untimely death of your mother, your connect group was there with you. And you were loved, they loved on you and helped you and your friends. So friends, friends with, uh, friends with many, close to the few, issues with none. So get close to the few people, and our connect groups are a great way to do that. Number four, growing in Christ-likeness. Now this is the one we spent the most energy on in the last three years probably as a church body of really trying to develop this and get it launched. The whole faith path, home point, you saw the little video about that. All this to really try to get our, our discipleship, our growth ministry established in the church. And we've done a lot. So what's it say in Acts about that? Acts chapter 2, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Listen, Jesus' commission to his church wasn't to go out and win people to Christ. It was to go make disciples. And another way to think about this idea of making disciples is simply this. Help people become more like Jesus. Help people grow in Christ-likeness. Um, so, I'm going to give you a quiz. What is the, the how-to or the tagline? What would be the tagline for how we do the, the um, transformation in Christ-likeness or growing in Christ-likeness? What would you hear all the time around here? Ah, well, you're related to me. The triangle of change. Here's your little test. I've taken at least almost a hundred of you now through the three books from Jim Smith that explain the triangle of change. So, what's at the top of the triangle? You're all being bashful. You know what it is. Narratives, the stories you believe. What do you believe about who Jesus is, who God is? How does that relate to your life? We find is we have all kinds of things we believe about God that aren't true. And because of that, we think like this. I heard, I literally this morning was driving in the car my whole mile and a half to church, had the radio on, and there was a preacher on the radio, and the first thing I had to hear him say is, and you're sinning, and, you don't, and, and if you don't think God is mad at you, it's exactly what he said. If you don't think God's mad at you about that, and I turned it off, and I said, what did I say to you? I said, I used to believe that. I used to believe God was mad at me. I turned it off. I'm like, God's not mad at me. God loves me. God knows there's only been three people in the history of all humanity who are not born as sinners. Adam, Eve, and Jesus. Every other person has been born into, into a corrupt, fallen world. So he understands that there's issues in our lives. He's not mad at me because of sin. He, matter of fact, he loves me. And he says, I want to help you come out of that. And so the first thing is we challenge our narratives. Now what's the second point down here? Spiritual, I'm hearing it, spiritual activities we engage in. So we engage in spiritual activities that open up our hearts and give us available hearts towards God so the Holy Spirit can bring transformation inside of us. So we practice things like silence and solitude. We practice things like um, meditating on Scripture, reading Scripture. We practice things like worship and sermons coming in here in, from, in church. Those are all spiritual exercises that we engage in to open up our hearts so that God can come in and do a work within us. There, in essence, our old church word for this is a means of grace, an avenue for grace into your life. We give God an opportunity to come and transform our hearts. So we, we, we change what we believe, we engage in things that help us, and then what's the other coin of the triangle? 
community. We do it with a group of people who are on the same faith path as us and are helping each other, encouraging each other, and correcting each other. And what's in the center? We do it by what? By the power of the Holy Spirit. So the triangle of change, our tagline is the triangle of change. How do you develop in Christ-likeness? We understand that growing in Christ-likeness is an indirect process. That you don't just say, I want to be more patient. It doesn't work. Have you ever tried it? Well, we, it doesn't. It does not work. Um, what happens is we engage in these three things by the power of the Holy Spirit. And in time, all of a sudden we go, you know what? I'm more patient than I was before. We indirectly develop in Christ's likeness. So we have a whole, a whole process around here, our whole faith path and home point process that helps a person engage in the triangle so they can develop in Christ's likeness. All right? Number five. Number five is what? Serving. Serving. It should be up there. Serving passionately with the love of Jesus. Acts 2, look what it says. And they gave to anyone as he had a need. Friends, love compels us to do. Love compels us to help. Love compels us to meet needs. Jesus has loved us. Jesus has poured his love out in our lives. And now as a reciprocation of that, we pour love out to other people. Love compels us to do. One of the greatest joys of Christianity is learning that it really is true that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. We learn the truth that it really is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Joy comes through serving. People who serve are happy people. People who are stingy, people who are self-centered, are crabby, miserable people, and no one else likes to be around them. People who serve and are joyous and giving, people all want to be around them. Why? Because they're happy with themselves. Service isn't just something we add on. Service, yes, it's we're meeting needs, but service helps you. But we, when you serve, it changes your heart. And our, our, tie, our tagline for serving is simply this. Find your fit. Find your fit means this. To understand that God has created every one of us unique on purpose. And so that what he does is he joins all these unique people together into one body. He calls us the body. And that brings wholeness. And every person has a unique fit within the body. Now, we did a bunch of painting here Friday and Saturday. And a bunch of you came out and helped paint in the renovation that's going on at that end. And one person, Jeremy, said, you know what? I've learned one thing. I know this. As he's painting for hours Friday and Saturday, I got gifts, but this ain't one of them. And so sometimes you operate outside your gift. You know, you just do it because it's got to be done. But understand this, even at doing that, serving brings joy. Did we have a good time? We had a great time serving. Matter of fact, some of you might have sat home and watched TV Saturday morning. We had more fun. And we accomplished something. We were painting and laughing and enjoying each other and, and, and accomplishing something for the kingdom of God. Serving people are joyful people. So the way you kind of, kind of come into that, find your fit. Find where you fit. And we are always trying to say, here are opportunities for you to get plugged in the body of Christ so that you find, hey, this is what I love. This is what I'm good at. Some of you say things like somebody the other day pointed out, hey, this window's got a problem. And I said, yeah, um, it does have a problem. And it, when it gets better, I want you to be involved in fixing it because she's like, I, I like to do that stuff. You find joy in finding something that you like to do, you're good at doing, and you use the God-given gifts you have to come together as a whole, to bring this whole body together so that we together accomplish the purposes of God. 
Joy and fulfillment in life come through finding your fit and fulfilling your created purpose. Does that make sense? Now, we just, as fast as you ever could have done in the history of the world, went through all five that were really five sermons on their own. And the reason I wanted to do that, I wanted to get the big picture of what we're, what we're aiming at. You know, I know it's February, the end of February, but it's still kind of the beginning of a new year. And I want you to be thinking in 2017, as you go through this year and you look at these, these five areas, do an honest evaluation, allow the Holy Spirit to speak into your life and to say, you know what, if my heart is a heart that's filled with the love of God, it's going to pour out in very tangible ways. And these are ways that God says his church should allow that love to be expressed in the world so that we are the solution. As we do these things, we help bring a solution to a messed up, broken world. And you ask yourself, in these areas, first of all, you say, how's my heart doing? How's my heart towards God? Is my heart warm towards God and my heart cold towards God? How's my heart doing? And then out of that heart of love, you ask yourself, am I... Am I doing what at least six-year-old Cohen did and just invest in, at least invite somebody to church? Am I connecting? Do I, am I making, it doesn't have to be through connect groups, but it can be any other way. Am I making connections with other believers that are helping you grow? And, and do you have a tendency that when anything bad goes on, you run away from the connection? If you do, make a commitment in 2017 say, no, I'm not going to run away from the connection when I'm, when I'm struggling. Are you engaged and honestly growing? Are you saying, I am putting some energy into becoming more like Jesus this year? I'm reading some books, or I'm getting in a class. I'm, I'm studying the scriptures. Am I going to do something to help me to grow? Am I engaging in spiritual activities that will open up my heart? Am I have a group of people who are challenging me? Am I inviting the Holy Spirit to come and change me? Am I involved in service? You know, um, Am I doing something? What are my gifts? What are my abilities? You can use them all in the world, but are you using them in the kingdom of God? And it is the kingdom of God out there also. But are you using them in the family of God, the church? You know, all tied, flowing from a heart of worship that says, in everything I do, as long as I'm pouring love back towards God with a heart of appreciation and love, I'm thanking God for it. That is worship. So in 2017, I challenge you to do an evaluation of your life. And know this, as a church, this is what we do as a staff. We sit around with, the, with these five things and say, are we doing these? And I told you a couple of weeks ago, as we evaluate, because we put so much energy into creating our growing area lately, that we did the least amount of water baptisms we ever did last year, ever, of reaching, which says we've not given enough energy to it. So 2017, one of our great priorities is what do we have to do to be better at reaching people who don't yet know Jesus as a church? So it serves as an evaluation tool for us as a church and for each of us as an individual. Now you could say, well, pastor, this wasn't a real great, said last Sunday was fun. You talked about we're the solution and you were all jacked up, but this is kind of like, oh, I got to actually look honest at my life. We need all of it, friends. We need to be encouraged and we need to be challenged. And so I just challenge you in, 20, in, the, in, in these days, just allow the spirit to speak into you and say, in my life, Lord, is there fullness? Is there completeness? Or what area do you want me to focus more attention on? That makes sense? Would you stand with me this morning? Let's close in prayer.